So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Uh, you've got another week of just me and Leo. Don't know where Toby is, actually. We've, we've lost him around the world. Um, but, look, we'll battle on by ourselves. We're probably a lot more efficient um, without that big hunk of a man slowing us down anyway. Leo, how are you going? Good, mate. Enjoyed the weekend's rugby, so uh, keen to chat and look forward to the final game of Super Rugby AU. Absolutely, and that's it. Only one more round of Super Rugby AU. Um, before we get into the weekend's action, there is a bit of sort of uh, news coming out. So the biggest things that broke just after we recorded last week was the move from Rugby Australia to allow um, the top sort of five, six players to take sabbaticals for the um, early part of 2021 to recruit some of the earnings that have been lost. So we've only seen so far that... Uh, Michael Hooper's signed for Toyota Verblitz in Japan uh, for the beginning of 2021, most likely meaning he'll miss the majority of, if not all, the Super Rugby season. Um, And they've highlighted that there'll be another five or so players that have been given that opportunity. So I I imagine, I think they mentioned names like Tamura as well. Do you think this is the right move to try and keep people around? I've seen some people calling that it's um, going to affect because suddenly how marketable is Super Rugby when you're letting the top tier players sort of leave anyway? Uh, you can look at it that way but I think it's also the opportunity to let new players have a go in the front line starting 15 and there'll be guys behind Hooper, guys behind Tamua um, taking their opportunity and what's what Rugby Australia should be doing is really pumping those new guys and talking about the exciting new talent uh, and it's again, it's a good time in the cycle to be doing that. You've you've reset. You've had a year of of all the players being involved. And if the guys are absent to start next season, again, you you can give them a chance to, you know, earn a bit more money, uh, broaden their experience a little bit, have a have a a bit of time away to freshen up mentally from Australian rugby and. Meanwhile, you blood some new players and then you bring them back in and it's just that melting pot effect, mm. um, guys coming back in. As long as what I don't want to see is people like Tamur or Pooper or whoever getting parachuted back in around finals and people who've earned the right to be there missing out. That you know it's all, That's always annoyed me at any level of sport when the incumbents just ride back in unless they were you know involved earlier in the season. I always feel bad for people who pushed out in that situation so i think they've just it's just the way they put the spin on it they've got to talk about the young players coming through get excited for more of these under 20s and and the younger generation yeah getting their opportunity and really pump that angle and i think that's been exactly what super rugby au has done so far there's been a mountain of new names that we've learned over the, the last sort of nine weeks and it's been great to see some of these guys stepping up and taking hold and taking a bit of responsibility to lead their team forward in other news around the world, we've had sort of more calls from South Africa to join the Pro 14, likely 
their current teams, the Kings and Cheaters, will drop out with the with four other teams going in to um, pad out that competition. With also sort of articles coming out whether they would um, end up joining part of the six or now maybe the eight nations after next year, um, potentially taking Japan's spot that has pulled out of this year's competition. And yet we still haven't seen any super rugby from South Africa yet. They're still not quite at the stage there. They, they were getting back into contact training in their super rugby teams, but be interesting to see if we do get a rugby championship this year, the Springboks are going to be um, heavily sort of underdone in just sort of the match practice, you think. At the moment, they're getting any physical contact they can. I mean, we've got Elton Yanks, he's setting up a boxing match with um, one of his former teammates. Yeah, anything anything for some contact, hey? And, yeah, for those guys to come in straight off no rugby into an international scene, you know, maybe they get three to four weeks of camp and, and development. They're not probably going to be bringing in many new people. Um, other guys will have left and, and moved into teams overseas. It'd be pretty uh, pretty interesting to see them come up against a, um, you know, a young Blood Wallabies team or, mm. you know, a group of the uh, New Zealanders playing at that elite level, the Aotearoa competition uh, showed out to be. So, I think they'll. Um, I think they might regret joining up, though. I think I'm sure they'd have. I'm sure they'd have uh, a fair willing group to to have a crack, but they'd be well and truly out of match fitness. Mm. Luckily, uh, quite a large proportion of them are, are back in the UK, and they um, would be getting a little bit of match practice up there, mainly through the Sail Sharks, which I think last I checked the starting lineup was about 50% um, South Africans, if not Springboks. But going to Super Rugby on the weekend, we had the Brumbies hosting the fourth on Friday night. Look, this was after the fourth coming off that huge loss to the Reds, um, and we were worried it was going to be another sort of blowout game. It didn't feel like a blowout game. Special mention, got a shout-out to... Amy Parrott, so first female Super Rugby ref in the middle, leading the game, um, took charge very well in this game, I think. And the Brumbies, a few sort of highlight performances um, take them to a win, 31-14. And they're, they've got to be looking towards the finals. A tough game versus the Reds this weekend, but then looks like a week off before the, the big one. Yeah, the Brumbies looked strong. Uh, looked to be integrating a few extra little moves into their Lineouts and into their backline play, uh, which is good to see. Utilizing Banks much better. Uh, few few moves. Maybe maybe people like McCaffrey being involved gives them that little bit little bit of um, spark to to try a few different forwards moves. He's a bit of a bit more creative player there in the back row. Um, they yeah, I, I expected the margin to be a bit bigger. I think we all had tipped sort of a three plus try margin, but the the Rebels kept it reasonably respectable um certainly weren't poor the brumbies just you know found their edge that their subs particularly came on as well late in the game and and really put a put an exclamation point on the end of the match um the the highlights for me i think simone stood out again really happy to see him involved um kicking still pretty strong pretty good tactical kicking good passing game like just crisp delivery nice and flat doesn't doesn't pull up a whole lot when he passes the ball. It seems to just take it in stride and, and deliver again. So not not one of these sort of hitching sideways players that just has to you know throw their entire body behind the pass. 
Uh, Banks already mentioned. I think Will Miller had a good game as well. And Caden Neville, who um, has been in and out. Um, you've seen Darcy Swain. You've seen Murray Douglas, uh, Nick Frost, and and Caden Neville. And he, to me, is much more visible in the locks mm. in, in Brumbies now. In the last couple of weeks, he's stepping it up. And it's good timing for him as the Wallabies uh, selection looms uh, in the near future. He's got to be in the starting 23 in, that, in the first match you see with the Wallabies, I think. Um, whether he gets the start... I think that depends on Rennie's sort of opinion on people like Angus Blythe, who we've seen continually left out of um, sort of preliminary sort of lists so far. Um, but for me, he'd be he'd either be there or be the man coming onto the bench. Seems to have a good head for the line-out, seems to be running that um, Brumby sort of set-piece well, and they definitely look better with, with him on board there. You mentioned McCaffrey as well, and so there's a little bit of like selection drama now with this Brumbies team. You mentioned those bench players coming on. McCaffrey's starting in six over Valentini. That's two weeks in a row. We had Valentini pegged as Wallabies bound. Um, this has got to be hurting a little bit of his chance of not getting himself seen out so much. Yeah, I mean, it takes him out of the limelight, which isn't isn't good for selection, but it does seem like the last couple of weeks running, the Brumbies have had maybe a more a tactical resting of certain players. We don't know if they're under a bit of an injury cloud even if it is just um, a bit of a bit of wear and tear and battering, as opposed to some, um, you know, shoulder or knee or ankle complaint, whatever it is, um, maybe he's just getting a bit of time on the bench because the Brumbies don't feel particularly threatened uh, in these matches. But uh, I think the the selections this weekend will tell the story that if if we've got people who are seriously uh, overcoming the starters in form, someone like McCaffrey, if he's, I, I don't think he's. I think he had a good game. I don't think he's um, worth the selection over Valentini at this point. Difference, maybe slightly different style of player, but Valentini, I think, still got that edge. And if he's healthy, I expect he'd be there. But obviously, if he's not, you'd think McCaffrey may have actually <laughs> overcome him and, and mm. maybe is the favourite of Dan McKellar at the moment. Yeah, it will be interesting to see this team list, and especially for the halfback position, because Nick White, again, comes off the bench, but... Shows a lot of sort of energy, brings um, a lot of momentum, and yeah, it was with a few other bench players, but immediately uses some of that um, precision passing, finds Will Miller out wide on the left um, to crash over and get his... Um, it's his first try of the Super Rugby AU season. First try for the Super Rugby AU, there you go. Um, so, Leo, right now, put yourself in Dan McKellar's shoes this weekend versus the Reds. Um, likely... We think probably the team you're going to play next week and a fortnight after. Do you start Nick White? Hard. I've just made the case that someone who's been there all season deserves the opportunity. I, I think Nick White is playing very well, just off the limited minutes we've seen. But I also feel like Joe Powell deserves the reward to to start. Um, again, I would be picking him this weekend. And if he is outshone that significantly by Nick White that may force your hand for the final uh, Nick White just looks really dynamic, it, he's, he's fresh and he's um, get, getting around going for rugby dad of the year in most of the <laughs> promotion material that I've been seeing um, I think I think you keep Joe Powell in there, I think he, he's deserving, he's not being outplayed so much right now it's not hurting the Brumbies having him start he's probably not a bad um 
compliment, or sorry, not not so much a compliment, but off off stand to to Tate McDermott. I think if he can just neutralize Tate McDermott a bit, and then you have Nick White come on, like you've got a big one-two punch through the game there. You can take one and, and submit uh, substitute the other. That's that's in the Brumbies' advantage. I don't know if you get that playing the other way around. You may have just answered my question, but my other question was: Does it matter which one you start? I don't think it does at the moment, and, and I think the Brumbies, it's the whether it's the downfall of the Super Rugby AU competition that the Brumbies do really seem to be a tier one above all others. Um, I don't think it's hurting them, so I would be I would be picking Powell to reward him, giving him the opportunity. Nick White's there in support. You know, Powell goes down injured, we get Nick White for 50, 60 minutes. Like, you can't really go wrong, I don't think. And as we said, the Force definitely. I mean, they show a lot of spirit in these games, and there are a few plays that continually stand up. Um, I think Jeremy Thrush has been a really good leader for them at the front. Um, Fergus Lee Warner um, is a name that's been highlighted a few times. I think at six. Um, that's more sort of his um, preferred position in my mind. Uh, got the early try in this one. Seems to have a really high work rate and impact around the field. Um, having Stowers there um, just seems he's always sort of makes an impact in terms of carrying the ball into contact. And then having people like Kahui and Goodwin in the back line, still, um, they seem to, to help a, a lot in terms of continuing a little bit of momentum, making sort of little things happen. Yes, it's not a polished precision performance each week from this force team, but I'm seeing glimpses, and I, that's why I really want to want to see where they would go if they do get um, guaranteed a spot in 2021, so they've got some time to make a little bit of recruitment and get some people back into the fold there, potentially from the other Super Rugby teams, and come back out and make a statement. Yeah, we've covered this territory previously. We think the Western Force are a severe handicap, not knowing their future, not having the certainty that next year they exist and, you know, even multiple years they exist. Who's going to move their family to Perth, not knowing if this is a one-year thing? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not going to be your players who are looking to settle in, make an impression, you know, seek higher honours. So uh, you're right, they've got some good players there in the nucleus, Thrush for for his age is massively physical and aggressive. Just brings all that energy, and and he's got the those other guys, you know, really straightening the ta- the attack around him. Mm. I think that's been really important for the force. If they didn't have that starch in the forwards, and they were just a bunch of sort of second or third tier pushovers, they certainly wouldn't have had the ability to stay in games as they have. Yeah. So that's a real positive. There's you know the value in those older guys with their experience. They just need to. Make sure they pick up a few more just to bolster that depth and and bring a bit of excitement and and it'll all come if they get a bit more certainty in their in their future. Exactly. Let's go to the other game of the weekend. Uh the Rebels hosting uh the Waratahs still in Sydney at Leichhardt Oval and in the end a bit bittersweet for the Waratahs. Um they win the game thirty eight thirty two, but of course that means the Rebels finish within seven. They get the bonus point, which means while the Waratahs have no more games to play, the Rebels have one, and they're only four points behind and three points behind on margins, which means if they win this week uh, against the Force by more than three, they'll pip the Waratahs at the post and make it into the finals. But this game, it's a tough-fought match, a bit of a strange match in terms of the refing, some um, questionable decisions, and some of the 
in the end, some of the tries that were awarded um, to the Rebels, one in particular, may not have, should have been awarded compared to similar situations we've even seen in a couple of weeks past. Yeah, compared to Amy Parrott's debut, which I thought was very measured, she she consulted with her um, assistant referees at times when things were a little bit um, complicated, which was good. Rather see than make a slow, correct decision than a than a quick poor decision. Um, talk us through that try arch because yeah, I, I I don't know how they call that a try. So for those of you who weren't watching, it was a penalty for the Waratahs kicking out of their own twenty-two. Harrison goes to kick it out. They manage to hold it in. Um, a couple of phases later, Rebels running down the left-hand side. There's a bit of a bobbling. Pass behind. You have Billy Meeks running through as a decoy line. Runs into Joey Walton. Stops him moving across the field. And suddenly there's a two-on-one um, with Tamua and Mar- Marika Korobiti outside um, with just one player to beat. Um, obviously, Tamua gives the right pass. Marika goes for the corner, dives somehow makes it um, with momentum. It, it almost looks like Michael Hooper's trying to cover tackle, but dives at him from behind and almost pushes him over the line. But this try, just it's just so similar to what we saw with the Force Waratahs um, a couple of weeks ago with Maddox coming through the middle and Andrew Reddy getting obstructed by Harry Johnson-Holmes being in front. And even though there may or may not have been a chance of him making that tackle, it gets turned around on TMO, but you have your ref um, today that decides that, no, he's happy with that and doesn't even want to have a look, despite having a look um, with the TMO for the grounding. And it just, it just yeah, seems strange to me. It's it's not consistent, and that's the most annoying thing, that week in, one, one week to the next, you, you can't get a consistent performance, well, twice, a consistent set of decision-making. That's twice that we've had really similar situations and one week it's a try and the other week it's a penalty and it's just that's just the frustrating thing and equally in this game we saw um Lockie Swinton penalized for a no arms tackle which had Nisarani laid out because he actually connected shoulder to Nisarani's head and Nisarani I don't I don't know that he got knocked out he, he went down it's sort of hard to tell if he actually you know lost consciousness but he went off for a head injury assessment yeah he he you know was was uh, a bit tender on his feet and if you've given a penalty for a no arms tackle and then a guy is directed to leave the field for contact to the head i don't know how logically you can you can look past that there must have been no arms contact to the head and there yeah. should be room for that to be reviewed because, again, that, that that benefit of the Waratahs, they get their hard man laying shots on some of the bigger runners on the on the Rebels and the consequences are penalty. And as we saw and later on, the, the Tars not getting not getting the um, same sort of treatment as the Rebels. The Rebels got a very short leash and ended up with a card. Yeah. The Waratahs were, were much more um, forgiven and, like, they still had um, Hannigan in the first half go off for a card with a card that's right so they'd already had sort of warnings and things and yeah managed to avoid sort of second carding yeah that was really strange matt phillip getting carded that in the 65th minute and the rebels only had eight total penalties for the entire game and somehow there was excessive penalties um 60 minutes into the game so 
a little bit strange, maybe a little bit of nervousness from um, a new match official, but the TMO not stepping into some of those things, it it is a bit strange because if there's one thing I know about TMOs, they love getting involved and putting their stamp on a game and making sure they influence results, but wasn't quite the way this happened in this one. But overall... Look, Rebels happy to come away with the bonus point. Um, again, some of their big names stepped up. Tamua with that try, sprinting all out um, to dive between two Waratahs defenders. I think it was Gordon and Swinton um, five metres out, showing showing the rest of his team how to get over the line after, obviously, that previous um, game versus the Reds where they just couldn't, couldn't manage to score a try. He took it upon himself and... Yeah, absolutely smashed his way over. And people like Izzy Nazarani got a double in this one as well. So a couple of the big names sort of stepping up. And it looks like the Rebels have booked their, their place in the finals. It's pretty likely, isn't it? Um, with with only needing a win with a margin of four or greater, you'd, you'd expect that. Maybe the force can be the uh, upsetters, who knows. Um, yeah, the, the guys like Tamua, with, with a performance like that and showing the the capability or the the intent to just throw your body at everything like that's you, I think you need that in your twelve at times so the fact that he's willing to do that um, was impressive so that's good um, more depth at twelve if we need it um, nice Saroni mentioned from the Waratah side I thought Harrison had a good game Jake Gordon had another good game um, Dempsey Dempsey's the one that stood out for me he's he's getting back to this confident um, sort of confident ball runner, but also um, confident strongman in and around mm. the rucks and malls. Like he burrowed his way into a mall and peeled the ball out. He he got into a couple of rucks and pilfered. He's he's looking strong. He doesn't look like he's holding back. He doesn't look like he's protecting his body uh, from these recent injuries in the last couple of years. He's he's playing like a healthy, um, strong back rower, and and that's really standing out to me. He's he, I think, is probably maybe he's um, competing with the wrong group if he's if he's chasing that number eight spot. Um, by the time you mix in Harry Wilson and Nisarani and Dempsey and Pete Samu, someone's going to miss out um, on the squad, let alone the the twenty three. But is there room for someone like Dempsey at six? I'm actually thinking that that's possibly uh, a better well, option for him, or whether yeah. he or Nisarani. Uh, and Harry Wilson between the three of them should be looking at the eight, eight and six packet. Well, especially when, as we said, players like Valentini aren't playing, and they that was who we have now early sort of selections as our number yeah, six, and that was almost unanimous uh, among us. Um, I think you're right. I think Dempsey's definitely making a bit of a statement at the moment. Um, he's definitely seeming like he's having a huge impact, and you're right, physical runs, and also a bit of that subtle sort of offloading game as well which you like to see from some of those sort of um, bigger men out wide. Yeah, a variety of skills, and he's done it all in his last game of the season, presumably, if the if the Rebels do get into the finals. So it's a good, it's a good final impression to make, um, and I'm just happy that he's fit and healthy. I remember having massive raps on him uh, before he had his hamstring torn off the bone in that stupid Barbarians game years ago now. Yeah. It really derailed his momentum that he was building into that international season. So... Really positive. Um, also, another shout-out. I thought James Ram was, was a good performer in this game. Um, just, just you know, num- number one Waratah's winger for mine and and keeping his name in and around that squad 
Absolutely. And you already said sort of Harrison, good game. Jake Gordon, um, still some impressive moments from him as well. Um, I think those two, probably those four names, are Wallaby squad bound. Um, obviously with Michael Hooper um, and maybe a bit of a sprinkling of a couple of the props um, around, but that's probably about it. Oh, and Maddox. I've gone off Maddox Harry Johnson Holmes, by the way. You've gone off him. He had another try. I've gone off Harry Johnson Holmes. He did, and actually, it was it. It made me grimace because up until that point, and even even in getting that try, he was looking really slow and and wasn't gaining any ground at all. So he took a lot of hit ups. He was taking a lot of pick up pick and goes. He was carrying the ball with others um, supporting him. And he just didn't look dynamic at all. And this is in the first 30 minutes of the game or something. This is early on. And he just looked like he was lumbering around. They they lost a couple of scrums as well. Um, wasn't impressed at all. Don't know what's what's happened in this. Well, maybe it was just the one game. But um, when we start talking about, you know, who's going to make the squad, I, I can't put Harry Johnson-Holmes in the, in the same tier as, um, you know, Alatoa and Tupo, um, certainly are far and away better options than than Harry Johnson Holmes. So does that mean Farmacilli's going to make the squad over him? Yeah, I don't know. Farmacilli um, off the again, bench. Farmacilli, I think maybe hasn't earned his spot yet, but yeah. um, you know he's he's playing a much more dynamic game. It's probably set piece for him and. Um, consistency in not not infringing i think he's still a bit of a a high risk candidate for for poor decisions and and then giving away penalties making making errors in the ruck and more just just from maybe not having the depth of understanding some of the other more experienced players well let's look ahead to this weekend and we've got a bit of a um, Super Saturday full of rugby there because we've got both of the Super Rugby AU games and we've got the North versus South game um, in New Zealand, down there at Wellington, um, to look forward to. So I hope everyone's cancelled all their plans for Saturday night and Saturday afternoon because you're not going to be go- wanting to go anywhere. We start off with the Rebels and the Force up in Newcastle, McDonald Jones Stadium. Um, hopefully, under some good weather, we've seen some very, very wet and rainy Wallabies tests up there and some. It's a place where we see a lot of uh, upsets. We saw the Waratahs go up there last year and lose to the Sunwolves in spectacular fashion. We've seen the Scots shock the Wallabies um, up at McDonald Jones Stadium. This might be the time we see the Western Force get their first win of the season, take the, down the Rebels, knock them out of the finals. Yes, yeah, certainly if you're a Waratahs fan, that's what you'll be hoping for. Um, forecast is... You know, cool, partly cloudy, a bit of rain on Friday, but um, if if that gets through on on the evening there beforehand, it should be a good track. And I hope the force come out hard and and you know leave us again with a good lasting impression of what they're capable of and and a reason for Rugby Australia beyond what they've already provided to to keep them around in whatever competition format uh, evolves next year. Mm. The the rebels I think have have the class to do this and and do it comfortably, but um, the force always keep themselves in the game. It only takes a couple of breakouts, and the rebels may get a bit shaken. So just you know, more steady play out of Deegan and Tamua, 
and um, you know just just good solid forwards play. Uh, I'm liking their their back row at the moment. The Rebels. I hope um, Nicerani's all right. Is fit to play. Mm-hmm. Um, they. I would expect them to win and, and win comfortably, and that'll be you know a good momentum builder. They've 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 stayed in the game with the Waratahs, and if they can comfortably beat the Force, they're going to be facing the Reds in Queensland. Um, after that, they, they sort of trending in the right direction if they can piece it all together. Yeah, so I think you'd be looking for a 20-point win from the Rebels, looking for them to, yeah, gain some momentum to head into the finals. Um, We'll talk about the North versus South game in a little bit, but the Reds hosting the Brumbies, we said it sort of early on that this was looking like it could be the showdown for who would finish first. Unfortunately, the Reds, because of a couple of those shock defeats, um, going down to the Waratahs earlier in the season and the draw with the Rebels, it's not up for first place here. So, but the Reds would really love to knock over the Brumbies, um, and hopefully then look to meet them two weeks later in the grand final. Um, it'd be a great little bit of momentum, and they get to play them at home at SunCorp. This is where these boys love to play. What do you think? Oh, I mean, the Reds have nothing to lose. They've They've got to shake the Brumbies. They've got to give them something to think pretty hard about for the two weeks that they're going to have to prepare for that final. Um, currently, how, how do you shake the Brumbies? What is the way through to shake them? Because they seem like just a very solid team all around the park. They do. Absolutely, they do. Um, I'm trying to remember which team it was. There was um, Whether it was to the Brumbies or the Brumbies did it to the Crusaders a couple of years ago. Someone had a really dominant line-out and mall and might have even been one of the South African teams, just absolutely tore the Crusaders apart in their own game. Mm. Um, I can't remember I can't remember this, the scenario, but th- that's what the Reds need to do to the Brumbies. They need to find a way to, to break up that mall. If they take away that weapon and start getting the Brumbies to reconsider kicking for touch and just playing for the mall, the way the Reds have defended so doggedly, um, you know that would be a real, um, a real knock to the Brumbies' confidence. Like they, they can go to that part of their game when they need to. They don't always win with it, but they do always bring it in. And and it's just, it's just a, a muscle memory exercise for them. They know exactly how to maul the ball. They they execute that line out so cleanly. If the Reds can disrupt their forwards, then I think that just shakes that that Brumbies' confidence a little. And then. The backs, you know, is, is Bailey Quenzel um, as as confident and, and free flowing as um, as he's been previously. I, I think he's potentially a guy that O'Connor might be able to get up in the face of and um, and disrupt a bit. We don't know what's going on with TK, do we? He's, he's, he hasn't even been on the bench the last couple of weeks. I I didn't believe he was no, we injured or anything. We're... No, so I I dare say we'll probably see him back. We've said it in the past, he's not a player you can really play on the bench because he doesn't really... He's a specialist in his own position. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, with him back in, that, that centre pairing is going to be pretty solid. Um, I wouldn't expect the Reds to to be able to... Um, well, we don't even know overcome. what the Reds' centres are going to be at the moment. Um, there were sort well, of some thoughts whether Paisami might be back, whether they're going to move Patea into 13, whether you're going to see someone like Jack Hardy moving in. Or is O'Connor going to switch mm. to 12 with Hegarty? So, going to be a little bit of a shuffle yeah. around in that back line. 
Yeah, and and hopefully the Reds get to the pick the team they want and aren't just forced into a corner with injuries. Um, I don't know how Hamish Stewart's going with that. Was that a hip pointer that he that he picked yeah. up the other week as well? Um, like if the Reds can field their normal strength side, I think the key is in the forwards. They've got a really cohesive, dynamic forward pack. You can see the way they they get around each other when they're um, when they're defending on the line, how they celebrate together when they when they either score or, or just keep a team out. Like they're all there for each other. Not that the Brumbies aren't, but that's the kind of um, mentality the Reds will bring. That you know, this is our home, it's our fortress. You don't score um, comfortably here, and if they can shake up that big set piece of the Brumbies, there's there's definitely opportunity just to keep them off balance, and then. Hopefully the backs can can go ranging out wide. We've seen moments of brilliance. They need to really find their find their way in this game and and execute really well and, and pull off a few big big plays and get some points on the board. Make sure they can run away from the Brumbies because if the forwards get rolling, the the Brumbies are a bit of a juggernaut. Yeah, that's right. I think even if they don't come out with a win against this game, um, if they do put enough to make the Brumbies question a few things. Maybe they do mix up tactics a little bit. Maybe they do keep it tight and try and use them all against the Brumbies um, doggedly for a half and then break it up into some really open sort of play, open field play, looking for that offload, looking to spread it side to side. I think it'd be really interesting. I hope that Brad Thorne's thinking about um, just changing up some of the tactics here just so that means in two weeks' time, well, they'd hope to be back playing the Brumbies, um, but it means that they won't know what to expect. They can't sort of plan ahead for how the how the Reds are going to come and attack for them. And I think putting that little question mark um, under the Brumbies' skin might might be something that will eat away at them over sort of these next two weeks. Yeah, it's it's opportunity for a bit of a bait and switch. You mm. you you know. You, you set them up to, to think that you're going to defend in a certain way or target a certain player, you know, throw up a guy at the front of the line out, think the, make the Brumbies overthink it because they should respect the Reds and, and see them as, as contenders. And then uh, as long as they're prepared to counter and adjust to whatever the Brumbies are doing, I, I think the Reds are a smart team. I think Brad Thorne's a smart coach. I think he and Dan McKellar, it's a real um, sort of intellectual battle here. Not, maybe Maybe intellectual wouldn't be a word people throw around Brad Thorne too much. I think there is a lot more depth to his tactics though. And, and mm. Dan McKellar's definitely a thinker. So they'll, they'll have sized each other up. There'll be some interesting player. I hope they uh, test a few uh, different moves on each other in this game as a precursor to what would hopefully be the final. Tip for this game, Leo? Uh, I think you're right. I think the, the Breds will be um, disappointed, but still still happy to come away after a good contest even if they lose uh, I think realistically um, knowing what the knowing what the Reds are up against with their um, injury injury core there I think the Brumbies have probably got this by seven uh, I hope the defense can keep it close yeah I'd have to agree with that I think the Brumbies at the moment it's too hard to bet against them um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does come down to the wire and it's only a two or three point margin um, but yeah, you've got to go with the Brumbies at this time, especially with a potential of a bit of a reshuffle within that Reds back line. Um, having a very set sort of Brumbies B 
backs that that seem like they're on a bit of fire, especially with the back three, the Brumbies, um, Muirhead, Wright and Banks seeming to be firing all at once at the moment. Um, it's hard to go mm. against them. Looking across to New Zealand, obviously been a quiet couple of weeks. This North vs South game's been pushed back a week. They couldn't hold it back any longer. Unfortunately, they're still um, gathering restrictions, so it will be played in Wellington. It will be played without fans, which is a little bit of a shame, not only for the fans down there in Wellington, um, but also for New Zealand rugby. They will probably not quite make the economic return that they were hoping for from this test. I mean, people have put it up as this this game's not going to matter. It's not going to influence things for Ian Foster and the All Blacks coaching staff. But there there are some key matchups here, and there there are some key questions looking at um, national selection for the All Blacks. I think it's great to have a game like this where you can pit your best players against each other, and maybe it's you know you can't really read as much into this like playing each other as, you know, an All Blacks versus one of the other actual international sides because they're probably going to play a similar style of game and it's probably, you know, some of that in-the-moment decision-making of players or, uh, you know, particularly players at 10, at 15, um, out in the back line where, where you know, the, the split-second decision-making of, you know, cut this player out or, um, you know, adjust your line to create space for another player like, whether to offload, whether whether you think you've drawn the man or or given the, sold the dummy, like that's that's the opportunity you'll you'll get out of this game to see mm. those players making those decisions under the pressure of that they're equals on the other side. So, you know, if if Moanga is challenged by Barrett at ten and starts um, throwing poor passes under pressure, and Barrett under the same pressure um, thrives, you know, that's that's still going to say something when. We've seen Moanga playing so well; it's going to um, make them question whether he's he's still the right option. Um, you know, people like Geordie are trying to probably play, assuming he's playing fullback, are trying to usurp incumbents. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of areas where we've seen a lot of good players come through this season. There's a lot of decent centres. There's a lot of decent back rowers. Probably a wealth of back rowers, really. Like, yeah, you look at the um, lists for these two squads, and it's just impressive yeah amazing like and and hopefully that you know is 80 minutes enough time to see all these great players for long enough to evaluate them yeah um you're gonna you're gonna want to see people um you know again um displaying their their best skills so if dalton Papali is um getting in all the rucks and pinching the ball more more effectively than sam kane more effectively than we said Karifi wasn't in there, didn't we? Yeah, not, Karifi's not in the not, frame. Not but, in um, the frame. Yeah, but um, Tom Christie perhaps then. But like, let's see what um, or Dylan like what Hunt. these guys or Dylan Hunt like. We'll see what they choose to do yeah. and how they choose to to stand out because it's a it's a it's a sea of options. And how do you stand out in the crowd? Um, it's going to be through all these little individual moments, and mm. and that's what I look forward to seeing. Really elite players um, demonstrating their skills as individuals, um, as much as you know, playing as a unified team. Because there's a whole mixing pot of different players. The combinations exactly. mostly exactly. aren't going to be there. It's it's not there for combinations. It's there for you know, as an individual, look at me beating someone one on one. Look at me dominating someone. Look yeah. at me contesting and winning. 
Exactly. And I think there's a few places where the question marks still exist. Um, look, it's it's the front rows are still reasonably intact in terms of hooker. Some of the prop stocks are still sort of there. Um, in the locks, you really, we, we've said this multiple times, they are a bit thin. They've got um, Tui Pilotu and Sam Whitelock, but who's the sort of third there? Is it Mitchell Dunshay? Is it Scott Scrafton um, making a statement to try and get there? The back row is just going to be very interesting of how they sort of line up and how they sort of make um, make decisions here. Hoskins Satutu, obviously a bit of a breakout player in 2020. Um, people have been pay, pegging him as the number eight for the All Blacks, but you've got Akira Yuani that impressed in the later half of the season. But someone like Shannon Frizzell, who they've highlighted, might even switch to number eight um, because there's sort of a wealth of talent there at six um, all around. So... Very interesting from that point of view. You mentioned the Barrett versus Moanga. Again, fullbacks, Geordie Barrett versus Damian McKenzie. That's going to be impressive. And then you're looking at some of these uh, centre pairings, like whether Peter Munger Jensen, another breakout star, is going to um, make make a few more sort of impact plays to get himself a black jersey, or other young guns, Caleb Clark's going to do something for it. Um, Joshua Wani and... Mitchell Hunt um, from the Highlanders were both impressive and whether they're going to do enough to to warrant selection again in that All Black squad. It's Even if we're not getting internationals um, this year, just the naming of these squads is really interesting to see which way um, coaching staffs are heading and which way they're thinking um, that the next sort of cycle before the next World Cup is, is going to go for this for national teams. And you think that even if you know, the international calendar really falls apart and cannot proceed. I would hope that there's room for Australia to do something like a North versus South, a Possibles versus Probables. Green uh, versus Gold. Green versus Gold, that's right. Wallabies A versus Wallabies 1, whatever you want to call it. Um, That that would showcase these individuals. And again, it's not not about, um, you know, beating the hell out of each other. It's about using the opportunity to play a slightly more expansive, um, risk-free type of game where, you know, there's not really that much to lose. If you if you manage to isolate someone um, and you want to take them on one-on-one, you know, there, there might be a support runner there. But if you think you're a better than, better than not chance at beating the guy, like have a go, have a real full, you know, no hesitation, a full go at taking someone on. And if it doesn't come off, it doesn't come off. But if it does, you know, again, you've just you've just reinforced your skills in the minds of the selectors, and um, and you've given the other guy something to think about too. So we might as well um, see these guys really open up, and, and mm. not as a not as a physical. You know, the only point that really needs to be physical um, and and bone rattling is you know scrums and mauls that where the forwards are. You know, it is a show of strength and technique in combination. The rest of it, we just want to see the ball flowing around and guys, you know, having a really good, fully supported, confident go in attack. Absolutely. Do you have a pick on this? I can tell you that North Island has an overwhelming sort of win record against the South Island back when these matches were a bit more regular. Oh, mate, I love me an underdog. And uh, how can I go past the uh, the Crusaders, the, the superstars that they are, combined with my... My New Zealand team, the the Highlanders, making up most of that south south side. 
I'll uh, I'll happily take the South Island if you uh, want to take your home the North. I will definitely be taking the North. The the rejuvenated Blues, the the Hurricanes that had such a strong end to Super Rugby Aotearoa, and the lackluster Chiefs <laughs> that still and the Chiefs <laughs> that are giving you the biggest handicap of all, That's winless it. losers. That's it. We'll take the Chiefs and we'll still win. That's what will happen. Ooh. That's what will happen. We shall see. All right, that about wraps it up from us today. Make sure you are, as always, checking out our social media at Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram and at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, and I'm sure you're finding it in any case, but listening to all these podcasts, you can go back and listen to our Wallabies teams and see whether you agree from halfway through the season or see what things have changed. Um, that's on Spotify, that's on Apple Podcasts and everything else, wherever you find your best podcasts. And get excited, because next week we have a very special guest. Oh, ruining the surprise, Leah. That's right, special guest next week. Until then, though, guys, keep on running. Run.